In episode 56 of Design EDU Today, Sam Barrowi, Senior Experience Designer at T. Rowe Price, joins us to discuss how students present their work online and in person during interviews. Sam goes in-depth on how students should prepare each of those for their specific use, including using narrative. Sam also discusses what skill sets she specifically looks for when hiring both user experience and visual designers. Finally, the conversation wraps up with a discussion on what skills designs educators should be focusing on more. Hint, it might be responsive design. Hello, and welcome to Design EDU Today, the podcast series discussing what is necessary to be a successful designer in a contemporary, screen-based, interactive world. I am your host, Gary Rosance, Assistant Professor of Graphic Design at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County. Today's guest is Sam Barrowi. Sam is a Senior Experience Designer at T. Rowe Price's Client Experience and Digital Transformation Lab. Sam identifies as a creative director and designer with a love for creating engaging experiences who takes a thoughtful approach to interactive design with a focus on user experience. With 10 plus years of experience working at top digital, social, and advertising agencies in the Baltimore, D.C. area, Sam creates beautiful and strategic user-centered websites that work across all devices. Her approach to design is often described as clean and intuitive. As a creative leader, Sam has mentored and inspired many designers and creative teams by creating a supportive workplace, fostering collaboration between teams so that communication is clear and open between strategy, development, project management, and design. Sam is constantly learning from the amazing people around her and is active in the local design community, offering design critique at portfolio reviews and mentoring designers. Welcome, Sam. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, thank you for inviting me here to T. Rowe Price. Uh, what's, the, what's the name of the, the division? It's <laughs> the Client Experience and Delivery Transformation Lab. We're okay. trying to figure out exactly what we're going to be calling it. So usually I'll just refer to it as the Innovation Lab. Okay, that was it, the Innovation yep. Lab. Um, okay, so this is for the listeners. Uh, before you became an in-house senior experience designer at T. Rowe Price, you were an associate creative director at the advertising and marketing agency, ID5. So for, you know, to put the questions that I'm going to ask in context, can you compare and contrast these two roles? Sure. So at ID5, I was associate creative director and helped lead and mentor a small team of designers, um, about three to four, and then another UX person, um, where we worked on everything from ad campaigns with traditional print placement to integrated campaigns to um, sort of one-off websites as well, and development in-house too. Um, so my CD and I would, my creative director and I would review portfolios and go through the hiring process together to look for digital designers. 
at my current role at T-Row, I've moved into more of a hybrid and hands-on design role um, in the innovation lab here. And it's brand new, it just opened about a year ago. Um, so we're really still working on staffing up here as well. Um, and I'm on the self-service journey team. There's currently a three different journeys um, and we're working on reimagining the buy flow. So it's pretty exciting to work on these really complex problems and figuring out how to um, perform workshops and get user research and that insight that we need so then we can iterate on the products that we're building. So T-Row is really investing in user experiences, which is really cool and great for us. Um, they know they have to do it to stay competitive and you know that's something also as designers that we have to do as well. Um, so again, to set up that um, compare and contrast, I mean, mm -hmm. I understand what a typical project probably would look like at ID, f I mean, at here at T-Row Price, right. but what about ID5? What would a typical project be? They're so different, um, which I think is part of the exciting part of it, where we might be doing an advertising campaign that might involve billboards, um, digital banner ads, print ads, and maybe a microsite and an email campaign. That's maybe like the big robust things that we like doing at ID5. Um, or we're working on a website. So we did worked on a lot of education websites. So uh, University of Baltimore might come to us, which is one of our clients along the way, and they might say, hey, we need a new website. Um, so we work with them through the research phase to the user experience, and then on to design. We'll then develop it and do um, QA work on it as well. And then sometimes we actually stay on, would stay on board to do um, maintenance after the fact to kind of keep up with that and make any changes that they needed. Um, a lot of their projects there were either WordPress or Drupal based, so we were heavy into um, the content management systems. Does that answer your question? Oh yeah, no, <laughs> and, it, and it, they are two completely, totally different yeah. jobs, but they are two jobs that um, students coming out of mm -hmm. traditional graphic, two-year or four-year graphic design programs are applying for and are yeah. sort of qualified for, but also <laughs> Sort of not, and so that lead, right. that's a perfect segue into the next question. So you've been a portfolio reviewer mm -hmm. in AIJ Baltimore's annual Ink and Pixels uh, student conference and portfolio review. Yep. So most of the students you see at the conference come from traditional two and four year graphic design programs. Right. Can you describe how suited or unsuited the students are from the perspective of working at ID5 as a graphic designer and as a UX UI specialist at T. Rowe Price. Yeah, I think, um, well, there are a lot of similarities between the two jobs. There's a lot of differences, but there's also some similarities in that we're trying to get people to take an action or to do something. So we're still looking at, be it advertising or user experience, we're still looking at the people and who they are and demographics or those personas and then trying to get them to perform an action. So in those ways, I see them very similar. Um, but as far as the portfolios go, um, you know, there's always a few students that really stand out and kind of like wow you with their personality. Um, so I think that's almost like outside of skill. So it might be their personality or their passion or excitement for their craft. And for me, that's something that I sort of gravitate to and really, um, I, I don't know, those are the people that you really want to like help out and give good advice and, and work with. Um, and so then, you know, one, but one thing that we're not, that I don't normally see, I would think is a lot of interactive work and definitely not a lot of user experience from what I've seen. Um, a lot of it is 
good good typography and those really good foundational skills that you need but it would be nice to see those in more of like translated over to the web or even mobile would be great um, and even I think that as as a student you could probably take if you had a branding project you could take that and build on it build out a website maybe translate to the mobile experience and I'm sure that your teachers would say you know oh this is great or let me give you some feedback if they see your passion as you're working through that project I have a question about mm -hmm. the passion and excitement mm -hmm. you said that might you you initially said that that's not a skill that's outside of the realm but mm -hmm. I, I actually am wondering that, and yeah. I'm going to go back to, so most traditional two-year, I mean, most traditional four-year graphic design programs, mm -hmm. they have a foundation year right. where they have, but those foundation courses, whether it's 2D design, 3D design, photography, or mm -hmm. time-based medium, are generally taught by fine artists. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to see them taught by graphic mm. designers because I think there is it, it may seem cliche but there is a designerly persona oh, yeah. that I feel the students don't bring that mm. I have that has to be taught and if you're already teaching it so by the time you get them as a sophomore you're now trying to deprogram the <laughs> artist creator mentality right. and then try to train the designer creator mentality mm. does that make any sense to you whatsoever <laughs> is this just something that maybe because i'm stuck in the academia that no I, I mean yeah I, i've seen people from interviewing that um maybe have the skills to put together a website and they're very um organized and trained but maybe they don't have that sort of artistic flair to their work and then i've seen the opposite um one of the things i think is really exciting and what we had at id5 was a designer that was more art artsy and she learned the web. And then we had another designer that was more, um, like sh more of a straight designer and she kind of grasped onto UX too. So I always enjoyed putting them on one project to see how they would kind of come up with completely different um, solutions to the same thing. So I think that you, you have to have both and I think getting somebody to like embrace it and just kind of own it is good and hopefully they'll fall into one of those slots where it's either like they hopefully figure out how to bring web and the artistic stuff together, or if they have a strong liking for advertising and concepting, how to bring that conceptual work to the web and find out how to blend that. So you're not never just making something look pretty, but really kind of bringing your skills, blending that with web design or interactive design. I think that's what's creating these really special people that we're looking for. Okay, and that makes perfect sense. And I think, that, again, though, but it's a balance. And when right. you just have all art your first year and then all design yeah. your remaining three years, you don't have a balance. Right, and, and it could be misleading, too, yeah. as a designer in your first year, thinking, okay, cool, this is what I'm going to do. I'm digging it. And then you get into your second year, and maybe you're like, oh, my gosh, whoa, whoa, whoa this is not quite what I had thought. Where's my creative freedom? Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and that's just something I've been hmm. thinking about. Viewing the portfolios, you feel like, the, you know, like the fundamental design skills are there, the typographic design skills mm -hmm. are there, but their application is, is kind of missing in the interactive and the user experience realm. Um, so what would you like to see design educators do differently to kind of make that up? Yeah, I mean, I think 
just get some more web design work into design classes. Um, it can be part of the branding project, but then get students to really research. They're already doing so much research and potentially building a brand or creating a print campaign, something along those lines, but even just taking it one step further then to translate that to the online world, I think will be really helpful for students. So when you say the web design, can you define that is because I'm mm -hmm. I struggle with I want to teach them HTML and CSS oh. so they're building it themselves and that's front-end development right so are static mock-ups like using things like Envision oh, yeah. or whatever the you know the prototyping software is out there is that what you're referring to yeah yeah I mean I wouldn't I would not expect you to come to me applying as a designer saying okay well I hand-coded this and be like, whoa, 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 that's awesome, that's cool. Um, but that's just something that I wouldn't really expect the designer to necessarily know because we always, every place I've been, we've had people that do specialize in that. And I think it's a completely different way of thinking. It's a skill that I wish I had. Um, a little bit of CSS knowledge is great. Mm -hmm. Just so you can say to a developer when you're working side by side with them, you know, change the line height here, change this font size, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I do think that that's really valuable, but I think time would probably be better spent rather than having them code something to give them just like a kind of a crash course in code and then having them design these things out and focus more on responsive and how maybe things translate from web to tablet to mobile and learning those skills and how to talk to developers. You know, um you just mentioned the the responsive design, mm -hmm. and I do teach it, but I'm kind of thinking back to my own practice of teaching responsive design, and I don't, is there anything like particular that they should be looking for? Like, do you like, yeah. do you know what I'm saying? I think okay. so. <laughs> um, what I would say is that we work on a grid system, so it's kind of like figuring out that grid system, and, um, I don't know, I think that once you have that in your head, it's it's kind of easy to see these math problems like fall into place where you can take a 12 column grid and divide it into three or divide it into four, and then on mobile that could easily stack up. So if they have a really kind of just a basic project of, I don't know, even if it's like a masonry grid, like how mm -hmm. would that look on mobile? How would that look on um, the desktop? Just having them go through that thought process and restructuring, looking at different type sizes, do they change, do they stay yeah. the same, that sort of thing, and keeping aspect ratios the same. And I think just even maybe showing them that it's not scary as, yeah. it, as it should be and to think in a slightly different way. But yeah. if you're doing it right and you're thinking about it from the beginning, I think it'll be, it'll flow pretty easily. Okay, and that's when I basically focus on, okay, typography because the reading mm -hmm. the reading optimal reading length is going to change mm -hmm. so if you're paying yeah. attention to the typography the size you would you should be having more than one size for the, yep. the type across the site and same thing with like I think image grids product grids are like the perfect examples like okay having a grid of four right is not gonna work on your mobile right exactly <laughs> it's just not so where does it change where is mm -hmm. the idea okay so I was just looking for like key milestones so I those seem so it sounds like I'm on the 
yeah, at least I, on the right path. And I always tell them to look at it on your phone. So if yeah. you design something before I maybe even say anything and critique it at all, I'll be like, just just send that to yourself, email it to yourself. Or um, through Sketch, I know you can sync it up to your phone. Mm-hmm. You know, take a look, see what it looks like on your phone. And then a lot of times they're like, oh, oh, yeah, I got it. Oh, I should change that. <laughs> yeah, that's my biggest um, frustration because just like with a poster, Mm-hmm. You you design your poster on the screen and then you hang it up on the wall and you realize oh yeah <laughs> that scales way off yeah logos yeah same and, and, thing and everybody thinks just because you're designing on a screen for a screen that the scale is the same it's yeah. totally different it is mm-hmm. just totally different and you need to get things on de- devices to like check definitely you just gotta yeah. check yep um, you know another thing since now your new role is user experience Mm -hmm. so what are some of the you mentioned personas but what are some of the other ux user research things that you think graphic design educators should be kind of incorporating Mm. into programs um yeah i mean i think definitely talking to the users as much as they can um, is a great thing and you know when you're putting your portfolio together pull out a quote from a user that says, oh, this could be better, or some sort of stats in your um, research that maybe 30% of the users couldn't find how to click on the submit button for your form. Um, And pulling those out in your portfolio is always great. Um, But then, I mean, personas, I, I, as a designer, I kind of design my personas Mm -hmm. too, so they will go in my portfolio. Um, We've been doing a lot of user research workshops here and taking photos to sort of document that process um i don't know what was your original question no the user experience because i don't we don't teach it yeah um in i don't know we just don't do it enough credit and i'm just trying to think what are some of the ways that we could design educators could be better teaching user experience even in the okay so i understand that because the the argument you're going to get from graphic design educators Mm -hmm. is like well we're teaching them to design logos we're not right you know we're not teaching them to ux ui experts Mm. which is a fair comment but back to like you said with css you need to know a little bit oh yeah yeah so i'm guessing even even a logo i think you need to know who you're designing for or who so that could be seen as like a stakeholder interview if you're interviewing the vice president of the company or um you know the, the main stakeholders or you know, if you're designing for a hipster ice cream shop, that's going to look different from a very high-end, you know, gelato place or something. So there's still that user persona that goes along with logos too. So I think that that always should be taught. I think yeah. design is way more than making something look pretty. So I think if if you're not teaching some research or thought behind it in some way, yeah. are we doing the right thing? And, and this <laughs> is just a gross generalization, but I got a hunch that most design educators when they're when they're telling a student to design a logo they're saying take your audience into consideration yeah but I think they're it's literally stopping at that uh, yeah <laughs> yeah so what would you re, what would be some simple things to you know okay personas is one that'd be right. an easy task to assign like okay do a persona mm-hmm. of the potential audience for this logo um, are there yeah. and then so then the interview um, what, what, what does that kind of look like or entail? Um, sometimes we've done everything from just calling people and, and just saying, hey, what's up with your current site? How do you feel about it? What would you change? And just getting their feedback. Um, here at Tira, we actually had a user research workshop where we got 
users that were T-Row um, clients, but also not T-Row clients, and had them come up with creative solutions about how they would um, create a good app to buy mutual funds. And they came up with their own solutions, which is really cool to see them get excited and passionate about it. Um, so I think like any of those things that teachers could do to help, even if you're just interviewing each other in the classroom, um, also creative briefs, I think are a good practice to kind of go through to train your brain. You know, what am I trying, what one thing am I trying to say here and get people to do? You know, what are the barriers? What's trying, what's stopping them? Um, and then you still have to define your personas or demographics there as well. Yeah, I think that's the other thing that I, I know I personally could do better is like that. I think I heard the term key performance indicator. Mm -hmm. Is that a term? Or am I making yeah, that up? Yeah, KPIs. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So every kind of like project should have yeah. a KPI because yeah. how do you measure its effectiveness if you don't? And yeah. whether they actually take it to heart, the student, is kind of almost irrelevant, but they now officially have that, you know, that yeah. stopped the like, hey, no, check. Yeah, so anyway, that, yeah. that makes perfect sense. I think we need to do more of the, the interviews. This, I think we need to formalize the research. Yeah. And I think that's kind of yeah. what's missing is just it's kind of loosey-goosey. Yeah. The, and just go do some, go Google something or go mm -hmm. talk to somebody instead of just yeah. formalizing the, Make it real. the research process. Yeah, and design, like lay it out in a really interesting way and add that to your portfolio. I mean, something that I love seeing is the process that somebody takes to get there. Yeah, you know what, I'll, since that's a good segue, I'm gonna skip ahead in some okay. of my questions, <laughs> and I'm gonna go to that. Um, I struggled, um, so how do they show that process in their portfolio? And they have two, and we'll, I'll let you say if you think this is appropriate or not, but I'm assuming they have two portfolios. They have an online portfolio that gets them in, that gets them the interview, and then do they still bring portfolios to the interviews? So what do you want to, how do you showcase <laughs> that process? It's tough. Um, yeah, well, and I'll tell you how I usually end up interviewing people. We'll get a resume in, and usually in like the cover letter, or the email, they'll have a link, and sometimes I don't even look at the resume yet. I might glance at it to see, like, is this designed? Yes, no, okay. If I see, click, resume designed, cool, I'll go to their portfolio and look over their work immediately. Um, and then if it looks good, then I'll go back to the resume and just kind of like read through it a little bit more um, and then either have a phone conversation or get them to come in. I like meeting people more face-to-face -face because I think that there's a lot of like chemistry that you need to take into account and seeing that passion over the phone is kind of weird and awkward sometimes. <laughs> I know I'm not best on the phone, so I like to bring people in. Um, but then a lot of times when we do get into um, into the interview in person, I will say, you know, I've already looked through all of your work. And in and, and interviewing as well, I've had this happen to me also. Um, people have already looked through all your work. They've already seen most of it. And so a lot of times I'll say, hey, what are your favorite pieces? And tell me about those. So I think then having the story behind that is really what I'll judge somebody on, and hopefully they're picking out their favorite pieces, so they're really passionate about those, um, which then I guess leads to telling that story of the process. And and I'll keep asking them for a couple favorites until I really get a feeling for what they want to do, what they like doing. Um, my creative director Matt at 
at ID5 is has this like skill for seeing somebody's like weakness or where they might um, either not want to work at our company or they might not be happy in the long run and he can just like drill into that so that he has a unique talent for that um, but yeah so I just will talk to them about their favorite projects and get a feel for that so that's mostly verbal then so mm -hmm. like simply just so I when somebody walks into um, the interview with you yeah. how are they sh how would you like them to show their portfolio now do you want hmm. like something printed out in a, like a little binded book do you want things shown on a laptop yeah. or do you care it doesn't really matter as long okay. as the story's there I think if you have a printed piece um, with some nice paper quality like I would mm -hmm. love to see that in person um, but if it's web I, it's not weird at all to have it on your computer yeah a lot of places they'll just have you hook up to the TV um, and so it's, it's pretty easy and seamless and it's not any weird sort of um, way to look at things. I used to bring my iPad and yeah. had some weird interviews where it's like, okay, uh, all five of you, can you just huddle around my iPad for a yeah. second? <laughs> no, I figured that was one of the ways though, was just that you're going to put your stuff onto yep. a projector because I've, um, when I'm telling students about portfolios, I say like, make sure that you put yours on a portfolio. I mean, put whatever you design, make yeah. sure you look at it on a projector because mm. it's going to be washed out. Yeah. And oh you got to make sure you have enough contrast <laughs> to get through. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that's a bit of an aside, but mm -hmm. all right. So, um, and I do have ideas about how to really tell the story yeah. as well. Cause that, I think that telling the story is so tough. Um, especially when you have either like boring forms or boring charts that, are integral to your process and your research, yeah. but like, how do you show those things? So I love photos. If you're in a class and you guys are doing workshops, maybe you have um, a student or somebody takes photos of the process and put those up there would be great because then when you're walking me through it, you're like, and here's where we put 5 million post-its on the wall. And like, cool, that's part of your process. Awesome. And here's my notebook full of dirty little smudgy sketches like that's cool because I appreciate that and I want to see okay you go to paper first you're not just jumping in and designing something without thinking about it um, and then also you could mock something up if it's like a user at a computer and you put like your form in the background I think that's okay um, doing like pull quotes to pull out some of the user feedback that maybe you got, or even doing infographics, just highlighting some of the numbers, um, maybe even like before and after, or you know, 59% of the people, I don't know, I'm like the website after I designed it, I don't know. <laughs> so this is more of a case study then? I, yeah, I think for user experience, it has to be more of a, a story that you, you tell. Okay, because um, I'm just, and so that's where I think I trip up is because uh, I'll give you an example. Last semester, I made students like go ride the bus, mm. and then we like you know came back and we, you know, did like they did cool. their presentations and everybody wrote down on post-it notes like yeah. problems they saw That's cool. in the systems and they put that stuff on the board. And I was like, okay, make sure you take pictures of you yeah. riding the bus. Yeah, you take pictures of you know the the post-it notes. I yeah, let's see your sketchbook. And they did all that, but it's their app that showed up in their portfolio, not oh, any of the other stuff. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I can wrap my head around the, the online process. I mean, so they just failed on that part um, <laughs> because they, they could have easily done, they could have easily shown that information online. Oh, yeah. 
but how do they do that when they're in the interview? Like, so yeah. either they, that means they're either like showing you their work from a laptop. Mm -hmm. I guess just like the printed piece for those that want to do a print book. Oh. I don't know how to wrap my head around that in a print, hmm. a print book. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think you don't need a print book. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it, if it, that seems like I don't know, I'm <laughs> it seems like a lot of work. It's horrible to say because you're trying to get your first job, maybe. Um, but if you can have your computer, I would just do it that way. But I think that I would do it the same either online or in a book where I would print out some of those photos and sort of maybe take a full spread in your portfolio and say, okay, well, here's, you know, me riding the bus and then us putting up solutions and here's my solution and here's us collaborating and working together um, and then show the final piece of where you ended up. Even in print, I think that that would be cool too. I, yeah. I wouldn't really say, oh, well, that's not on your computer, so I'm not hiring you. I'd be like, okay, that's just how you chose to show it. As long as it's like nicely, you know, printed out and not just like some sheets of paper that you're yeah. tossing at me. <laughs> no, and I think the reason I asked that was kind of a leading question because I think I still see a lot of discussion out mm -hmm. there about, you know, um, how are you handling print portfolios? Mm -hmm. Like, I just silently think to myself, you don't because yeah. That's just not the uh, best medium for what you need to deliver now for the, you know, case studies. But I'm trying to, you know, be open-minded. Like, okay, so the employers want to see process, but mm -hmm. the educators want them to make it into a print book. Uh -huh. So I'm just trying to think, like, how do we, you know, cram yeah. all that process into, I think, just the web's a better medium for it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I yeah, I totally <laughs> I agree. To say that. Yeah, and for a long time, I've been putting in um, just – really dirty sketches into my mm -hmm. print portfolio before I even had like a website, I would say, here's my, you know, concept and here's some of my sketches and it might not have looked the best, but you know, you can still see what I was thinking and how close just my hand sketches could get to a finished product. No. And that's one thing that like every professional that I've interviewed is basically said they want to see the process. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're so, big on process. <laughs> well, it's, it's important because you, you understand how yeah. somebody works. I yeah. mean, cause I think, when you look at the portfolio, of course it has to look good or you're not going to. <laughs> right. You're not going to get in the door. Yeah. It's the process mm -hmm. that is the differentiation. Yeah. Of, and you uh, want to see that somebody can, you, you can collaborate with them and they're not a jerk. I don't, I'm, I'm huge on just like yeah. not being a jerk. Don't have an ego. Tell me about how you work together to come up with a great solution. Yeah. No, that's, <laughs> that's a problem. But <laughs> no, because I had a, I had a, former student many years ago who ended up like losing her job because like she just like argued with them like no it needs to be this way and it's yeah. like no <laughs> yeah sometimes the client is right well and it was, it was the just, art director oh wow like oh, yeah, yeah it was just like oh and I kind of saw that one was going to happen too just from how she was as a student I knew that mm. was just going to translate into like ugh you're yeah. just gonna have to get fired once or twice and then yeah hopefully you learn your lesson or you work for yourself no I she think. was a talented designer so it was yeah. just a matter of this like you know you're young you have to yeah go through it yourself sometimes Definitely. i know i was that way <laughs> a lot interesting <laughs> yeah um so if there's like one skill that you think is necessary for, from designers but missing from education so like mm -hmm. what is it yeah. <laughs> do you see one that's just commonly missing. Hmm. That's interesting. Because you've mentioned um, typography yeah. is there. Right. You've mentioned kind of like layout and general 
mm-hmm. design principles are there. Hopefully. Are there any other core competencies that, and you kind of like touched on UX, UI a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think, oh gosh, I mean, maybe empathy for for the users um, and I'm, I'm big on con- concepting and conceptual mm-hmm. work. Um, so I think that that actually, yeah, that is probably a big thing that we've seen is missing is that everybody's so focused on maybe the, maybe too focused on like the research and then this step and step number two, three, four, five, I checked all the boxes that some of that more conceptual work might be missing where, mm. okay, I can design a website, but how can I make it really special? And how mm. can I kind of, kick it up to the next level? Is there some sort of way to engage people more than just putting like a shoe on a website? Is there some 3D that I would want to do with it and let people like, I don't know, dissect the shoe to see the sort of padding and the the insides of it because that's what matters to this type of runner that I'm really gearing the site towards. I am so glad you, you mentioned <laughs> that because that is something that it's kind of been my silent theme throughout all Mm. of this is there's a lack of innovation in interactive web design, whatever you want to term it. There's a, anything that goes on a screen, there's a lack of innovation. It's very step and repeat. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason it is step and repeat is because it's not being taught Mm. in graphic design schools. Right. So innovation is not happening I, I, school is where yeah. innovation should happen because you've got free reign to oh like my gosh, yeah. go as, as far out as, as you can like I always like to say it's so much easier to reel students in than it is to cast them out and yeah you can do that in in design education and I think so I'm just really glad that you said like there's like a lack of like yeah I think show me that cool idea yeah. that would probably never happen or cost a billion dollars to do, but maybe it does now, but it won't in a couple years. Or it's oh, good yeah. to just see that you're even thinking that way because we can reel it back, mm-hmm. but it's hard to, to push somebody to think bigger. That's almost impossible, I think. Yeah, and I think that's a, just a fundamental problem because we're not teaching it. So, mm-hmm. like, literally, there's, f- you know, most programs have three, maybe four classes on typography. Right. They've got one maybe two on interactive design and that interactive design also Mm. now has to encompass you know some user research some information architecture Mm. some little introduction to HTML and CSS (laughs) all these different things so So where's that innovation where's that pushing yeah the visual design yeah I mean it would be really interesting to have just one little mini project even to do emerging technology and like you have to research something completely new um, and learn about it, learn the insides and outs, and then apply it to whatever product or service. Yeah, that, that's a good idea, because I I, incid- in, uh, I accidentally stumbled across that when I was, the students were, my I had them redesign a, a website for a um, design conference. Mm-hmm. And some students were at the point where they realized they needed extra credit. <laughs> and I was like, all right, des- design what the, I f- the the watch app would look like for this. Mm-hmm. And then we were like, oh, well, what would need to be on that? Because we don't really need the visual design of it. We need the schedule. And so it's like yeah. the discussions around what would 
show up on that watch was way better than yeah, what was cool. for the website. And mm-hmm. I was just shocked by that. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. We, um, at the class I was teaching, we did this kind of activity called, it was a TXD, Transformation Experience Design, where we map out a user's, um, just how they would navigate a problem. Uh, maybe it was that they couldn't find a parking spot or they lost where they parked at the airport, which recently happened to me and was really embarrassing. And um, so how do you know, how do you remember where you parked? You know, there's a lot of solutions, like I just take a picture of my car and, and the spot that it's in. But, you know, we, we worked through this project to see how they would really solve it. And um, they came up with the, all these creative, awesome solutions. We only spent one class one class period on it, but. I would have loved to have them actually sort of envision this, come up with a campaign for it maybe. What does the app look like? What is, maybe it's not an app. It might just be some weird new technology that they just invented. You know, you don't know. Yeah, that's another little bit of frustration when I do teach a UX, UI class. Um, Students will, their ideas, I mean, because because of the course, mm-hmm. it has to be interactive. But I don't say it. I don't say it has to be an app. I don't say yeah. it has to be a website. I don't say it has to be a kiosk. But damn, it's always an app. It's right? Like, yeah, I know. <laughs> what is the magic about it? Because what they're doing could just be easily done with HTML and CSS. Yeah. There's no reason it needs to be an app. So that's <laughs> I don't know. It's interesting to how they, we default yeah. to certain yeah. things, get excited about certain things. So is there anything that you personally wanted to add? that we didn't cover yeah i think that one huge thing and i always tell um students and like anybody that i'm mentoring or talk to ever about this um is always after you interview send a thank you email please you'd be surprised actually at how many people don't and we've interviewed awesome amazing people and you go on and you go on and you know a week passes and you're still talking about them but you're like you know what that person never sent me a thank you note. It, it's a little thing, and it, it's like it's such a little thing that it shouldn't bother me. But still, I'm like, let's let's continue the conversation, keep it going. Say thank you for your time, and sometimes it just means the world to people. And not a lot of people do it. No, and I think that that's something that comes from parenting because my mother was <laughs> always making sure that I sent thank you notes yeah. to aunts, uncles, whatever. Mm-hmm. When I interviewed for jobs. You know, we still had email, but I would literally sit in the parking lot, write out the thank you note, <laughs> yeah. and go put take it to the post office that was, oh, wow. yeah. you know, the mm-hmm. post office that was to that zip code, so they would get it fast. They wow. would get it the next day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's what I did. I would email card or not email, but yeah, actually mail cards. Now it's easy. Like it's okay to send an email. It's okay. It doesn't have to be long either. Yeah. Just like a one liner. Cool to meet you. Thank you so much for your time. I look forward to hearing back from you. Um, I'm going to ask one other question about the mm-hmm. whole interview. So you mentioned you read the resume, and then you look at the portfolio, then you you know go yeah. back. But you didn't mention the cover letter. Cover letters are, it's like one of those things that you kind of have to have. It's like, mm-hmm. check it off. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, I've used it before to kind of maybe explain something that might look odd. Or, you know, if you want to get into user experience and maybe you have one or two samples and you want to say you know i really see myself going in this direction or i've been working and doing classes and staying up late at night to learn more about user experience i think that's what i would put in a cover letter um so it seems more of just like a kind of check the box thing 
I don't know that some places don't even see them. A lot of times I'll get an me- email like forwarded to me or just a resume forwarded to me from somebody. So we don't always get those things either. Okay. I mean, I think I'm just from doing this, I've asked that more than once and there's no consensus. I see a lot of people who like the first thing they mm-hmm. want to do is read the cover letter because they want to see how they write. Yeah. Can you know, like, the, like those, because their mm-hmm. argument was that they can get like a lot of those things that you say you want to meet somebody face to face. They can kind of like pull that through through the writing a little bit. Yeah, you know that. And others, you're like, nah, I, I can't. Yeah, I think if you, uh, maybe lately I've I think I've kind of tried to show more personality in my cover letter, mm-hmm. just because sometimes it comes across as like, hello, I would like to apply for this job, but if you can make it interesting or funny, I think that is a great opportunity. Uh, and if you're a writer, if you're a copywriter or a content strategist, of course you need to make yeah. that thing like great, perfect, funny, you know, witty, the perfect balance of everything. Yeah. So I just, it's an advice I, now when I talk to my students about it, it's like, you have to have all three. You have to have a killer portfolio, yeah. a well-designed um, resume. Mm-hmm. And well, you know what? Okay. So you do a lot of the portfolio reviews. Um, I don't know how often students bring resumes or, but how often do you seem like constitutes a well-designed resume Resume. for you? You don't need a logo. I I don't know. (laughs) I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't have a logo brain. Yeah. That's like not what I love doing, but I appreciate a great logo. But so I would say, you know, it's not necessary. If you are a logo designer, yeah, I would expect to see a logo on there. Um, but if you're a web designer, I don't, I don't think that would cross you off any list if you don't have that for me okay yeah no i just if you're a good logo designer then design a good logo for something else right yeah (laughs) so yeah no i i tend to think students they over design Mm -hmm. resumes because they don't especially students that are just graduating because there's nothing on there so there's this fear of like a blank resume so like okay i gotta design the heck out of this when no. Yeah. No, Just you show you've got really good typographic skills and. Yeah, show some hierarchy, yeah. nice typography. Um, even something I've been telling people to maybe throw on the resume, if you need it, is just like what you've been doing to give back to the community. If mm-hmm. you are involved in the AIGA yeah. or you know this or that, if you mentor younger kids or I don't know, taught an art class in to yeah. like a fifth grade class or something like that. No, that's good to yeah, show relevant. Yeah, relevant. Yeah, is also key. I don't care if you worked at a golf course. Like maybe that shows that you have good communication skills or something. But those things, I think that you can you can leave off as well. See now that I've had some people say they like seeing previous work history because it just shows that the person can at least hold a job. Wow. Okay. They don't sit there and look at. They don't judge it as a. That it's like okay, this person has work experience. Yeah. I'm not taking somebody who's never had a job before. So yeah, I trying to narrow this is just proof to the students they need to do the research who they're applying to yeah they as much as they can they got to find out they got to tailor that each piece to whoever they're applying to if they can figure it out definitely yeah and then when you find something that works if if you're getting calls back on your cover letter or emails back keep going with it keep using it don't don't totally rewrite it yeah i know that yeah but definitely (laughs) change the company that you're applying to because that that 
I've also seen that not happen, and that's important. <laughs> yeah, I've. I mean, I haven't done. Yeah, I've done similar to that with this podcast. <laughs> unfortunately, I've. I have some stuff that's kind of like easy enough cut and paste, and I accidentally yeah. left somebody's name in it. Oh yikes! It's like, that's okay. It. That's okay. I yeah. I immediately <laughs> sent another email and apologized and said that that's exactly what I was doing. Yeah, that that's all you got to do, really. <laughs> that's all I can do. Yeah, I'd be like, okay, fine. Um, so, Sam, before I let you go, mm-hmm. is there anything that you are working on personally that you want to share or anything you want to talk about? Not really. I, I go to work, I go home, play with my two-year-old, and let's watch The Bachelor, and that's about it. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, no, I mean, my sister... This is maybe for her, but she uh, is just developing this app called Tire Kicker, which helps um, people find, without the dealers involved, to get the best price on their cars and stuff. So it's been really interesting seeing her um, navigate her this new adventure into app development. But is she, oh, so what is her experience and role in that? She's the brains and... It, it's been really cool to see her actually like shoot like wireframes over to me and I'm like oh my gosh you're doing it and I've helped her design some of it okay um, so we've kind of been like working together on it but she has this interest and I think she's gonna hopefully do some really cool stuff have you taken it to developers yet yeah she has it out there and working and it's it's probably in like a very very initial stage where she's testing it with like friends and family but hopefully it'll take off and she'll sort of disrupt the auto industry a little bit <laughs> cool um so so that's kind of like a perfect case study for just everything you've done it's all come into that yeah <laughs> oh wow so that's all we have time for today on episode 56 of design edu today i want to thank today's guest sam Barowi, for being so generous with her time I also want to thank the audience for listening, and I want to thank the Design EDU Today hosting sponsor, DigitalOcean, and the CDN sponsor, Fastly, for making the hosting and distribution of these podcasts possible. I also want to thank the AIGA and the AIGA Design Educators community for their generous support of my research that led to this podcast series. If you like this podcast, consider leaving a review for it in the iTunes store and share it with your colleagues and friends. To discover more about the Design EDU Today podcast and read the session notes and transcripts, visit the show website at designedu.today. To keep up with new show releases and updates about the podcast, visit the Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Design EDU today, or subscribe to this podcast through the iTunes and Google Play Store. Finally, if you would like to suggest topics for future episodes or give feedback to help improve this show, contact me through the show's email address at hello at designedu.today. Once again, thank you for listening to Design EDU today. <laughs>